and higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Will, your premier ag tire and wool provider in North America, helping people grow. Tractor Zoom delivering insights and dry shot boots, the official work boot of the Moving Iron Podcast. Well, as usual here, I have got uh, Sean Hackett with Hackett Financial from uh, Boca Raton, Florida. And uh, Sean is gracious enough to come on every week to talk about what he sees happening in the marketplace, as well as uh, what's going on in um, everything that has to do with weather and they're having no lack of weather down there you need some of those dry shot boots down there so you can wade through that uh that water you got down there in south florida you guys can't seem to not get rain right now <laughs> yeah it's been real real soaker for us uh historic quite frankly uh so yeah those boots would come in handy for sure yeah they're waterproof so you're you're good to go i mean to a certain point i guess when it gets over your over your up to your knee you're kind of out of luck but other than that you're you're in good, good shape sean <laughs> Well, I'm, that'll work. That'll work. So right on. They might, but it might be a little warm. It might be a little more insulated than you need there in Florida. But other than that, you'd be good to go, Sean. Okay. Well, Tuesday we had a uh, had a good re- a, a report come out, and there are some there are some shockers there by the USDA. Uh, not too many shockers if you listen to uh, Sean Hackett here on the <laughs> Moving Iron podcast. But um, you know, you've talked about. 174, 173, 172 um, bushels per acre is the average on corn right now, and the USDA came in uh, just under the low low end of the average, and they're at like 174.8 or something like that. I don't remember the exact number, but it was right around there. Um, really shocked a lot of people. Market rallied around that. Did see some some uh, sell off yesterday. Markets kind of had a had a bit of a move, um, maybe a little profit taking in there or something. But for the most part, the uh, the grain market as a whole, whether it's wheat, whether it's soybeans, especially. I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw eleven dollar beans on the board. And then you know you're looking at at corn right now and and, and what's going on there. Even cattle to that extent, where it's been hovering in that that one oh six to one ten range, pretty pretty solid it has busted through that resistance level and it's it's shown to take off you know box beef is is way up so a lot of positive mo- uh, momentum right now in the marketplace sean so w- what's your reaction to that report and kind of what's your thought about um the markets moving forward here well you know we've, we've said for months on your program that you know yields had to come down and we still think they're too high um we still think the actual carryout number is probably closer to uh uh, one and a half billion bushels, not 1.7. So, um, you know, that's not running out of corn. And remember, that's not today's supply. That's the supply that will be available in July, August of next summer before the next harvest comes. But, you know, remember, we started the season at 3.4 billion bushel carryout expectations. And now we're on our way to 1.5, 1.7, which, we, you know, we talked about this on this program, that that's kind of where we're going. And so the, the, Corn market keeps ratcheting it up to reflect a much tighter market, but you know certainly there's enough corn to get the job done. Um, so long as South America's weather is sufficient enough that their second crop corn, the safrina crop corn that they plant in January, February, can be sufficient to provide 
you know, large exports to the rest of the world. And so that's really, I think the focus is going to kind of shift from U.S. balance sheet, you know, U.S. demand, U.S. Uh, production. I think the market realizes that, you know, we're just a whole lot tighter than we thought. And now it makes the weather in South America extremely important. And, um, and, and the thing is, we don't need a terrible crop down there. We just need a crop that's just not quite as good as it normally is. And with our carryouts being as tight, that would be enough to probably concern the market as we move into our growing season. And as you know, Casey, we're not expecting very good weather for the U.S. Mm-hmm. in the spring, summer, fall time frame coming up. We're expecting a lot of, a lot of problems with our crop potential. So, you know, we, we, we think we're just in a, uh, we're in a repricing environment right now. And, uh, but, you know, there's going to be pauses. There's going to be uh, corrections, as you said, profit-taking. We probably have done enough for now, and Mother Nature in South America will not reach what we consider to be definitively mission critical until mid-December. So this would be a period that grains could probably pause, go sideways, have some corrections. Uh, there probably is not going to be a whole lot to drive the market here over the next 30 days, Casey. And so, so this does look to us to be a period of, of um, correction, you know, kind of a pause, kind of a let's let's let this these moves absorb a little bit and see what happens, and we'll keep an eye on South America. So we think for now, you know, the upside is probably going to be capped for a little while. Yep. So yeah. So if you take a look at South America, that was what I was going to talk about next here. So South America is setting up, setting itself up to be um, kind of all eyes are on it right now. You know, I mean, there's everything from where they're at now in the, in the growing stages um all the way through you know the the january february um early march time frame during harvest down there a lot of stuff is going on the dryness that they're seeing um some of the rains that they're supposed to have gotten um either didn't come or weren't what they thought they were going to be so they're in a they're in a bit of a pickle down there when you start looking at the you know the overall conditions that they're sitting at right now and so you're starting to see a, a pretty rapid weather market develop, right? And it's uh, across the board whether you're talking about, you know, wheat and the wheat belt here or the Black Sea regions, Australia, those kind of places, or what you see happening down in Brazil, Argentina. Plenty of craziness going on there. I mean, at what point has the market already built in a quote-unquote weather market into those numbers, or are we just now getting to that cusp of that weather market right now where guys are saying this weather thing's a bigger deal than we thought it was when you start paying attention to that yeah i don't i don't really think we've priced much weather in yet casey this is this whole move higher has been a repricing due to a dramatic change in the u.s supply demand uh perception or view i mean that we've been just repricing because we got the the market got the u.s supply totally wrong like just totally wrong, mm-hmm. and so that's been what this market move has been thus far. I do not believe we've priced much weather in. As I said, I think we're going to transition now to monitoring whether we are going to have the next the next leg up. Casey is is a weather market. That's the next leg up, and that really will happen from mid. To, if this dryness that we're seeing, especially in southern Brazil, uh, where thirty five percent of the soybeans are grown, and um, you know in the grain belt and um, Argentina, where they grow a lot of corn. You know, if this dryness persists into, you know, mid-December, think of that as our mid-July, okay. you know. Um, then the market's going to have to make another reaction to potentially 
much lower export supplies coming out of South America at a time when the U.S. is starting to lose its capacity to fill up any gaps. Um, so that's why I'm saying I think we have a, a window here where the market's comfortable with waiting it out a little bit, making sure, because maybe the weather turns out better and, and everything's fine. But I think they're, ready, they're willing to wait for 30 days or a month here to just let things play out a little bit before they want to take these markets up another notch. Ultimately, you know, we think that, that, that there's going to be enough drought issues in South America to warrant some kind of a weather move, whether it's an explosive weather move. You know, we'll just have to see it. The La Nina is not as definitive uh, in South America as it is in the U.S. or as it is in Russia. It's a little more spotty, especially for Brazil. So um, if I were to look at the areas that I have, I have the greatest confidence in our weather outlook, how we do things with our natural climate cycles, I would say Rio Grande do Sol, that southern Brazil area, and Argentina are your highest correlations to having what I would call some pretty impaired crops due to drought. Everywhere else in Brazil, I think it could be okay. Not top end, by the way, but I think it could be okay. So the market's going to have to monitor, you know, that mix and determine whether, you know, to what degree we need to reprice further based upon that. So... Okay, so let's fast forward and take a look at what that, what that January report might take a look at now, or might look like now. Um, the USDA has has done a good job of, of ratcheting back the stuff they're talking about. Lots of private estimates out there that are saying that the export balance sheet doesn't quite match what the USDA, USDA put out and what they're talking about. So we're seeing some discrepancies there, at least, you know, from but these private private uh, analysts put stuff out all the time and you wonder where they get it from but the balance sheet part of of future exports is something that doesn't quite pencil out the way the, the USDA has it figured into um, carry out and exports and those kind of things so I guess as you take a look at that January report when it comes out which will be a which will be a big one um, what's your thoughts there um <clears throat> I mean, I think they made a comment a couple of weeks ago in reaction to this criticism you know, that they have not factored demand into where many of the private analysts suggest they should. And they made the comment that, well, you know, the history of of uh, Chinese buying is that they have a tendency to cancel orders. Right. That was that was a direct quote from the USDA. Mm-hmm. Now, do they know some orders are going to be canceled or are they just assuming that a normal amount of order cancellations based upon historical precedent? I don't know. Um but I think that they're using some kind of historical model that says, well, normally when they, you know, when during the season, we, we, you know, 3% of the orders get canceled. I'm just throwing out a number. I'm not sure what the number is. Right. Um, and, and maybe they're factoring them. But of course, that assumes that South America has good crops and that they can export what the USDA is expecting them to, which, which, which once again goes back to why the weather in South America is so important because yeah. if they come up short down there, then almost assuredly the USDA's demand side estimates are too low and they're going to have to ratchet them up. I think they will ratchet demand up a little bit in the January report. I think they need to, um, but they probably still won't make the private analysts uh, happy. Uh, they probably still will not move them up as much as the private analysts are thinking they should, but I do expect a bump up in that demand because I think the numbers are so strong that even if you factor in normal cancellations, I still think they're too low, Casey. still yeah. think they're too low. Yeah. Well, there's there's a lot of lot of moving parts there, and being I'm just I'm pretty anxious to see how it works because this is a the first harvest we've had in a while where by the time the January report comes around, there's been thirty or forty five days worth of 
data collected up to that point. So there should be a lot of really good information out there, especially when you start looking at carry out and you start looking at you know ending stocks and those kind of things. There's there's going to be a, a pretty big amount of information. Well, there. certainly certainly on corn. I I mean if they do the, if they if they're truthful, they, they the corn yield needs to come down. Yeah. Another one to two inches to the acre. In our view, it has to come down. It should come down. Um, and so I would be more looking at the corn market in that report for a surprise. I think the soybean yields where it needs to be. I think they'll, you know, they need to bump up their soybean demand. So, so if we're looking for, you know, soybeans, we'd be looking at demand to bump up and that carry out from 190 million to come down even lower. But I think the bigger story would be corn yields coming down another one or two, because if you do that and you bump up demand a little bit, you're at 1.4, you know, 1.5 billion bushel carry out. And, you know, one billion one billion bushel carryout is about minimum pipeline level for corn for the U.S. to operate normally. That's not a lot of wiggle room. <laughs> not a lot of wiggle room, especially if we get any kind of problems with our uh, crop this coming season. You know that that's going to be wiped out in an instant if we have, if, we're, if we're concerned about our crop potential. Um, you know, as I think we're going to. So so we really have um very dynamic markets here, Casey. We this for the first time in a while. You could look around and say there may not be enough acres for for there's not enough acres to go around to make this work, um, and we haven't had we haven't had the ability to say that probably since 2010 mm-hmm. or 11 is the last time we could say you know what I'm not sure there's enough acres to make this work this year. Yeah, and that's that's a good place to be, especially if the producer is storing as much grain as he can in the bin, and 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 only sells what he has to to survive, and only sells what he can't store said this on your program for weeks and months and I'll say it again this is not the year to be going doing your normal marketing program and going out and selling next year's crop this is a year to hold back store the grain you know sell what you have to but we would continue to use your storage your supplies in the bin as a as a very strategic asset this upcoming growing season so yeah well it'll be interesting to see how things shake out sean we've got a lot of stuff coming and uh i uh when, when Aaron Finnell and I are talking about what, what's going on and, and stuff, I always bring up the uh, your your sunspot uh, grand solar minimum speech that you gave at the Moving Iron Summit last year, and and uh, he gets uh, kind of gets pale and, and he gets to, gets kind of sweaty and starts worrying a little bit, but 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 for the most part, there's uh you're right. I mean the way things are shaping up and and the uh, the lack of lack of moisture we're seeing right now. Is, is especially here in the U.S. It's not necessarily a very wet time of the year for us anyway, but but it is abnormally dry, uh, and there's really no relief in sight. And uh, we'll see where it goes from there. Well, just 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 uh, just look at what's going on in the world, right? Drought in the U.S., drought in Russia, uh, uh, biblical rains in Central America, uh, biblical rains in Southeast Asia, biblical rains in Asia. Yep. You know, I mean, we have this dichotomy. We've talked about how we're going to have these extremes, drought, floods, drought, floods, record heat, record cold right next to each other. This is all part of what we're going to be talking about on your uh, your next uh, conference here in January about, you know, what's causing this, why it's going to continue and, and actually get worse as this grand solar cycle effect accumulates and, 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 and continues to deliver more of this kind of weather volatility. Um it's happening. We're seeing it right in our front of our eyes, and 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 um, it's going to create fantastic opportunities for producers to cash sell their grains 
and it's going to provide fantastic opportunities for livestock producers to cash by their feed because we're going to have with the record weather volatility, we're going to have record price volatility. The trends will be up, but we're going to be all over the lot. And so i much rather have a market that does that than a market that did what it did three or four years ago. We had 15 year, uh, 50 year lows in, in price volatility. When it doesn't move, you have nothing, there's nothing you can do to make a better lot in your life as a farmer and a producer. So I'm thankful that we're going to get opportunities to do things so long as you keep a level head, you can't get too excited. Um, you know, there's going to be a time to sell. There's going to be a time to buy, depending on what side you're on, and make sure that you uh, that you're able to do that in the heat of the moment. That's going to be the hardest thing to do because when corn's breaking through six, for example, you know you're going to have to probably sell some corn even though you don't want to. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. It's uh, it's going to be an interesting time, man. So, well, Sean, that's good stuff, man. If, if folks want to reach out to Hackett Financial and get some more information about what it is that you're doing over there and, and how you could probably help what they're doing on their farm or, or in their uh, in their investing needs there, what's the best way to get a hold of you and, and talk about those things? I mean, the best thing to do is to go to our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Probably the best thing to do is to pull down our sample report, which is, by the way, our, our latest weather report that we went over a lot of these things that we talk about with the weather, because that really is the most important thing to get your hands around. And I think that would be a good report for people to kind of get themselves familiar with what we're doing to see if that might be something that might be of value to them. So Outstanding. Good deal. Well, Sean's going to be, like we were talking about earlier, Sean's going to be at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee, um, January 20th through the 22nd. Uh, He'll be giving a, a talk on and what he sees as far as weather modeling goes going through 20 and 21 and how that weather pattern is going to be dramatically different than what we've seen in the past. And uh, it's, it's a great talk. You know, we've talked about it extensively here on, on the podcast when he's on. We've done some special shows just around those around those things. So um, Sean's a wealth of knowledge. So I'm looking forward to having Sean come back to the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee, January 20th through the 22nd. Um, I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is where you get all the information about um, the podcast and any blogs that I write. I'll get posted there. Also, go to movingironllc.com where you can find all the information for the Moving Iron Summit as well as any blogs or podcasts that I have posted there as well. Global Ag Network is a great place to find some other ag-related podcasts, so make sure you check that out. Go check out uh, the Dryland Farm Podcast with Brent and Landon. The guys will keep you entertained throughout the day, so... With that, I am Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's go with some iron, folks. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here.